This is the Back Row Bengals Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Miller, and today we are joined by one of my all-time idols, the person that got me into broadcasting. He is the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cincinnati Bearcats in Bear- football and basketball, probably one of the all-time legends in Cincinnati, UC Hall of Famer, Dan Horde. Dan, how are you doing today? Well, with that build-up, how could I not be doing well? I appreciate the kind words, and I am doing well, so thanks for having me on. That's awesome. What have you, uh, what have you been up to during this quarantine? What have, uh, what have you been doing recently? Well, I've been keeping busy. The quarantine hit at the time of the year where I would not have been doing games anyway, so my work schedule has not changed all that much. The way I'm doing it has changed. I obviously have not been going down to Paul Brown Stadium to interview players because they have not been there. Mm-hmm. So I have been doing my interviews over the phone. I've been doing my research at home. I've been putting out my podcast and hosting the Sunday radio show that I've do, been doing in the off season anyway. Uh, so work-wise, the uh, coronavirus didn't change my schedule all that much. Obviously, if there are problems playing football in the fall, everything will change, but uh, I've got my fingers crossed, and I'm hoping that college football and NFL football both happen on schedule. Man, if you're not doing anything, I'll have you on every single day for this show, if you'll have me. (laughs) I didn't say I'm not doing anything, (laughs) uh, but I'm happy to come on today, that's for sure. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so you ready to talk some Bengals football? I am. All right. So, obviously, this new rookie class, we're seeing something, we're seeing a rookie class that honestly hasn't as been as flashy as the past couple of seasons. Who in this rookie class do you think are you mo- most impressed by, by your phone interviews, uh, by what you've seen on the field and their highlights? Who do you think, who are you most impressed by? Well, you have to start with Joe Burrow yeah. uh, for obvious reasons. When you have the opportunity to take the number one overall pick in the draft, you are hoping to have a guy that's going to change your franchise for 10 years. And I think Joe Burrow has the capability of doing that. Now, he hasn't practiced yet on the field, so I, I can't make that judgment. But I think anything that he could have done to this point, he's done. He's been great in the Zoom sessions. He's been great in his limited exposure to the media. I thought what he did in terms of the George Floyd incident was tremendous Mm -hmm. in showing off his leadership. So let's hope he's as good on the field as he's been uh, (laughs) off the field so far because I think he's been terrific since being selected number one overall. Gotcha. So let's talk about Joe Burrow. So, I mean, obviously his senior season is probably one of the best in all of college football. Um, do you think that some of that same success is going to carry over into his rookie season? Are we going to see a dip? Or do you think he's just going to keep right on going with his winning ways? Well, he's not going to complete 76.3% of his passes, <laughs> throw 60 touchdowns, and only have six interceptions. So that yeah. bar is impossible to meet for anybody. But I do think he is going to have a very productive rookie season. And one of the reasons why I say that is that it's become more normal for that to happen. Mm. I wrote something for the Bengals website a few years ago where I said, remember when rookie quarterbacks used to struggle? And I cited some of the all-time greats that had lousy rookie years. John Elway completed 47 percent of his passes as a rookie Peyton Manning set the all-time record for interceptions for a rookie quarterback but look more recently Dak Prescott who wasn't even a high draft pick completed 68 percent of his passes as a rookie RG3 had a passer rating of 102.4 Baker Mayfield set the touchdown record for a rookie quarterback with 27 and he didn't even start every game and if you look at the three quarterbacks last year that started at least 12 games, Kyler Murray, Gardner Minshew, and Daniel Jones, 
if you average out their stats, they threw for 3,340 yards, 22 touchdown passes, and 10 interceptions. Those are decent numbers, mm-hmm. and they weren't even on particularly good teams. So I think it's very reasonable to expect that Joe Burrow is going to throw 25 touchdown passes, something like that. Uh, he might have double-digit interceptions. Maybe he won't. But I do expect him to have a very productive rookie season, and I think he will break Andy Dalton's uh, rookie records set back in 2011 for this franchise. I think everybody uh, in Bengals Nation would love to see that. So, obviously, the Bengals had had a great offseason in terms of free agency and draft. Uh, a lot of the national media is giving them high praise for their draft class. Uh, so, But one of the things I see with this draft class is they're adding a lot of winners. They're adding captains. People who have won, I mean, Joe Burrow, obviously 15-0, and captain at LSU. Uh, T. Higgins uh, at Clemson lost one game in his college football career. He's only 21. Uh, do you Are you seeing a beginning of change in the culture in the Bengals locker room uh, of taking winning as such a as the only the the only option of, of winning? We are going to win every game. Are you seeing a change in culture? Well, when you say change of culture, I, I think the natural uh, inclination is to think that the previous culture was bad. And I don't necessarily think that's true. I just think the culture is maybe a little bit different. Zach Taylor is trying to find guys that fit his style, fit Mm -hmm. his personality, and that goes for his entire coaching staff. So I don't want to give off the impression that the culture was bad under Marvin and now it's good under Zach. I just think every coach has to uh, adjust things to fit what he's trying to do. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I do think it's very significant that the Bengals had seven draft picks, Six of the seven were captains, and the only guy that wasn't a captain for his team was T. Higgins, who probably would have been a captain had he stayed at Clemson this year with eligibility remaining. So that is not an accident. You do not go six for seven in the draft in taking captains unless that's something that you prioritize. Uh, So I do think that's significant, Um, and I think Zach Taylor made the statement immediately after the draft in saying that's not why we pick these guys we're picking great football players and that is an additional factor that contributed to selecting them we don't just want to draft good guys we want to draft great players who also have leadership qualities and uh, and i think that's smart and i think if you go back over the bengals history and go back all the way to the beginning in paul brown paul brown drafted smart football players. That was something he prioritized. I think that's something that Zach Taylor prioritized, and uh, hopefully it's going to, to pay dividends down the road. I got you. So, so, I mean, obviously we just talked about it. Six out of seven were captains. Uh, I, I still want to stay on this rookie class for uh, one more question because it just this rookie class is just so interesting. This is something I haven't seen as a Bengals fan, you know, basically in my entire life, in my entire 22 years of age. I haven't really seen a rookie class that's this interesting. Uh, who do you think from this rookie class is going to have a better season than expected? Who do you think is going to maybe even have a breakout year, maybe get more minutes than uh, than originally thought? I'll say Marcus Bailey, the last guy selected. And I say that because I normally don't even expect seventh-round draft picks to make the everyday regular season roster. A guy taken in the seventh round, to me, is a guy that you're hoping to keep on the practice squad, that you can develop for a year or two, and maybe get something out of him down the road. 
I don't see that happening for Marcus Bailey. I think because of the lack of depth at the linebacker position, he has a very legitimate chance to make the everyday uh, roster, whether that's 53 players or a little more than that because of uh, the coronavirus. And I don't know if his biggest contribution will be on defense or on special teams, but I just think he's talented enough to have an impact uh, season as a rookie. And normally I wouldn't predict that out of a seventh-round draft pick. So my answer to your question would be Marcus Bailey, the rookie linebacker out of Purdue. Yeah, I can I can agree with you on that. Before uh, he tore his ACL his senior year, uh, many of the draft analysts were predicting him to go in the third or fourth round if he doesn't tear that ACL. So now that he's got you know a full year back, maybe, he, yeah, I'm with you. Not only can he make the team, he can really make some significant plays. And he suffered that injury last year in the second game of the season, so he's had plenty of time to recover. He Mm -hmm. says he's 100% ready to go for the start of camp. And if you go back and look at his Purdue tape, he played at a very high level in a good football conference and had some of his best games against the best teams in that league. So I think it's a potential steal in the seventh round. He clearly would not have lasted that long if not for uh, having two ACL tears in his lifetime. So let's hope that he stays healthy, because if he does, I think the Bengals are going to come away with a very good football player. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and let's move away from the draft class. Let's go to the free agent signings. Now, the Bengals have one of their biggest free agent signings in their entire history as a franchise. Uh, who are the free agents that you are most excited for and who the Bengals fans should really be looking to uh, make a significant impact right as they get on, right as they get into the locker room? Well, you have to start with D.J. Reader. Uh, He's the guy they spent the most money on, and for good reason. They made him the highest-paid nose tackle in the NFL because they are getting a great football player in his prime. As we are recording this podcast, it is his birthday. He turned 26 today, uh, so you are getting a game record for the middle of your defense on his 26th birthday, and uh, you're going to have him for the next four years. So I think that was a tremendous signing. It's a little bit different from the signings that the Bengals have made in the past. You know, normally they're trying to get a value-free agent or maybe a big-name free agent a little bit past his prime, uh, like uh, James Harrison, but now you're getting a great football player just coming into his prime, and he should help fix the biggest weakness on this team and that has been stopping the run over the last couple of years the Bengals have been abysmal at stopping the run now you're putting a gigantic immovable object in the middle of your defense and I think that's going to go a long way toward fixing that uh, deficiency that's really hampered the defense over the past couple of years yeah let's hope and a happy birthday to DJ Reader obviously from this podcast to him Uh, so now the Bengals made a lot of free agency moves. Do you think they're going to make any more moves this offseason? I mean, obviously, uh, Jamal Adams is asking for a trade out of the Jets. Do the Bengals make a make an offer to the Jets? Or maybe uh, a lot of fans are saying is Larry Wolford, who just got cut from the Saints, uh, offensive lineman that would really help out the Bengals. Do you think the Bengals are going to make any more free agency moves this offseason? I don't expect any more splash free agency additions. They've signed eight unrestricted free agents and spent $130 bucks. So that's a pretty significant cut into your salary cap. I think any free agents they sign from now on would be guys that, uh, that they need to sign due to injuries. Uh, and that always happens during training camp. Somebody will go down and, and you'll pick up a, a veteran free agent or somebody that you think uh, can come close to filling that vacancy. But I would not expect a Jamal Adams or a Larry Warford to uh, join this roster. I think those guys 
uh, would be uh, expecting big contracts, and I don't think the Bengals uh, are in position to hand out another one at this point. I got you. So if we, so I mean, but even if we didn't move anything this offseason anymore, uh, the Bengals are going to be very new next year. This is going to be a very new team we're going to see at Paul Brown Stadium. A lot has changed. So let's talk about bringing the offense and the defense, the free agency and the rookies, and the guys still on the lot. Everything together. Where do you think the Bengals will end in terms of wins this season? I'm going to set the floor at six wins. Six I wins. I think they will win at least six games and hopefully more. Now, why do I say six is the number? Well, I'll start just with some simple math. They won two games last year, and they were 0-8 in games decided by one score or less. That is highly unusual. It's happened three times in the last 50 years. NFL teams, on average, win 50% of the games that are decided by one score or less. So if the Bengals had had a normal season, they would have gone 4-4 four and four in those eight games instead of 0-8. Oh Add four wins to the two they had, now you're at six, looking to win more. So I'm going to set the floor at six, and hope it'll be, hopefully it'll be a few more than that. So you're saying my bet on them to go over 5.5 was a good bet? I think that's a great bet. I would make that bet if I bet. You don't know gambling for you, Dan? Can't do it. As an uh, NFL uh, employed team announcer, I cannot bet. So, uh, uh, I probably wouldn't anyway. I don't want to have a financial stake on <laughs> something that I'm broadcasting. Uh, but it's a moot point in this case. I'm not allowed to do that. I got you. I got you. Uh, all right. So, so now you're saying the floor is going to be at six wins. Is there any chance at all, do you think, for the Bengals to maybe even back into the playoffs this year? There's absolutely a chance. For starters, there's an extra playoff team uh, in each conference, so that increases the odds a little bit. And I go back to my first year as the Bengals' radio voice. It was 2011. They were coming off a terrible year. They had gone 4-12. and 12. Nobody expected them to be good in 2011. They had a rookie quarterback taken in the second round. Uh, there was a lockout in the offseason, so they did not have uh, OTAs, uh, just like this year, for a very different reason. And I don't think you could find a single football expert in the world in 2011 that would have anticipated uh, a playoff spot for the Bengals. So they got one. They won nine games. They took advantage of a soft schedule, and uh, and they managed to, to make the playoffs. So based on my personal experience from that year, I'm not ruling out anything. Absolutely. I mean, in the national media, they're ranking the Bengals' uh, season. They're, they have the fifth easiest season in the NFL. So hopefully they can do the same thing they did in 2011 and take advantage of that. I'm with you on that. So obviously now with uh, COVID, this offseason has been very, very different. Uh, doing a lot of Zoom meetings uh, with the Bengals. And I've heard a little bit that on the offensive side that Joe Burrow is excelling and he's even getting ahead of the team. Have you heard anything from the other side of the ball? What are you hearing that is coming out of the Zoom meetings? Good things, bad things? What are you hearing? I haven't heard any bad things. Uh, it sounds like coaches from both sides of the ball have been satisfied with what they've been able to get out of the Zoom meetings. Now, what would you expect them to say, I guess, would be the, the opposite side of the argument. Certainly nobody's going to come out and say, boy, this has been a disaster in <laughs> the last uh, couple of months. But I think the Bengals do have maybe a little bit of advantage in having a young coaching staff uh, trying to do things a different way 
is not as difficult, uh, I think, when you're younger and maybe not quite as stuck in your ways now. Certainly, Bill Belichick <laughs> would be uh, would object to that uh, classification. I mean, he adjusts with the times as well as you possibly could. You couldn't have his record if that weren't the case. Mm-hmm. But again, getting back to the original point, I do think uh, having a young, tech-savvy coaching staff is yeah. probably advantageous when you have to adjust to doing everything that way. Absolutely. You, you're going to have to adjust, especially in the time we're living in. So, I mean, obviously now we're in, we're in the COVID days of, uh, of the offseason, and I, I wanted to ask you, so I'm seeing a new league proposal uh, that has not been passed yet that they're saying they're going to tarp off the first six to eight rows at each NFL stadium. And um, I was going to ask more of an organizational standpoint. Are, do you think the Bengals are going to do something with social distancing at Paul Brown Stadium? Are they going to do something different? Or do you think they're just going to kind of keep right on going with what they usually do? Nobody knows at this point. We don't know if there are going to be fans in the stands or if the stands will be empty. I mean, right now the official position in the NFL is that teams will have the, uh, the right if local uh, authorities allow it to potentially at least have some fans in the stands but these things are changing by the day and unfortunately with cases uh, going up in many states right now uh, it seems to me at least that the likelihood of having significant numbers of people in the stands are going down as the positive uh, cases go up so i'm keeping my fingers crossed that things start trending back in the right direction again and maybe we'll at least be able to have some people in attendance at nfl stadia uh, in the fall but as i said at the beginning it's really hard to make any projections right now where things like that are concerned right it's very uncertain but uh Dan, obviously we've gone through the uh, Bengals part. Now I need to ask you a couple questions as a complete nerd of your broadcasting <laughs> and following you for a huge part of your career. So out of all the sports that you cover, from college to pros, from the Bearcats football uh, with Jim Kelly to Bearcats college basketball with uh, Terry Nelson and Kevin Johnson to Bengals football with our very beloved Dave Lapham, who is your favorite team to cover and what is your favorite sport to cover? That's a good question. My favorite sport to broadcast is the one that I no longer do, baseball. When I say that, people think, well, boy, baseball's way up here, and football's down there, and basketball's down there, and that's really not the case. I love them all. They're separated by an eyelash. Uh, As a broadcaster, though, the challenge of doing baseball is something that I really enjoyed, Mm -hmm. because there's so many gaps between significant action that you really have to be good at providing information and entertainment during all of that uh, stoppage time, to use a soccer term. Uh, And that was a challenge that I enjoyed back in my baseball broadcasting days. But I love them all. I feel so privileged to do the ones that I do get to do. Uh, The spectacle of an NFL game every week is awesome. Uh, The tradition of doing college football and basketball on a regular basis is great. So while I did love doing baseball back when I did it, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now. All right, guys. Well, I'm also enjoying what you're doing right now. Uh, what one of the uh, I didn't put this as one of the questions, but now I, I got to ask it. Where is your favorite building to uh, broadcast a game from? Where do you love just to do it the most? I love it when we go to Baltimore every year. Really? And it's selfishly speaking, the booth is in a great location. We're close to the 50 yard line. It's mm-hmm. not too high, so you've got a great vantage point for trying to do your job as well as you possibly can. 
the booth is huge. It's close to where food is served. It's close to a bathroom. <laughs> I mean, everything that you could possibly have to make my job easy is there in Baltimore. The people that sit right in front of us are really friendly, and, and LAP has developed a great relationship with them over the years. Mm. So I put that at the top of the list. One thing you need to understand about broadcasting these days is that the newer the stadium is, the more likely it is that the broadcast booth is going to be in a bad location. Mm -hmm. Way back when, when stadiums were constructed, they used to think, well, we need to put the broadcasters close to the 50-yard line in a good spot that they can do their, their job from. Well, nowadays, people that build stadiums go, hmm, we can sell that prime real estate to a, a corporate luxury box mm -hmm. and make a ton of money and we can put a radio broadcaster mm. in the upper deck in the corner because why not right, right. <laughs> what are they going to say <laughs> so I, I don't mean to complain when that's the case uh, i'm just happy to be there but in terms of trying to do your job as well as you possibly can a place like baltimore helps uh I, I, I completely see what you're saying on that one, and, and being close to the 50-yard line, that's got to be a lot easier than being at the way end of the end zone. Uh, no question. Right. I should point out that Paul Brown Stadium is really good along those lines, too. So mm -hmm. uh, eight times a year during the regular season, we know we're going to have a great vantage point and a nice, comfortable boost at PBS. That's great. So obviously, uh, you put all of your best calls on SoundCloud, and that's why I call you, you're my favorite SoundCloud rapper of all time, because I get to listen to those calls and think about the memories that I had with those uh, with those games. And obviously you've had some great ones, 2K for SK when uh, Sean Kilpatrick got 2,000 points, touchdown to Armand Benz in 2009 at Pittsburgh. What is your favorite call of all time? Well, that's really not for me to say. Hopefully the people listening can... Uh, evaluate that and determine which one they like the most. Naturally, the great moments for the teams that I broadcast for are uh, calls that I enjoy just because it takes me back to those games and, and how great I felt uh, when an Armand Benz was catching the touchdown pass against Pitt to complete uh, Cincinnati's perfect regular season back in 2009 or uh, Josh Brown's game-winning field goal back in 2012 just yeah. before Christmas that uh, clinched a playoff spot for the Bengals and, and knocked the Steelers out of the playoffs at, at Heinz Field. So that's not necessarily me evaluating my own call. That's me enjoying great moments that I've been lucky enough to call. And, and I think you would find that most broadcasters probably feel that way well dan i want to thank you so much for coming on this was a great uh great interview i really enjoyed talking to you uh just real quick before you head out just go ahead and plug anything you're doing right now any new shows what are you doing right now in, in uh the media game right now well, thanks, Josh. I will promote one thing, and it's not really a show that I'm doing, but it's something that I've been doing on social media that I call Horde Makes the Call. Uh, when the coronavirus started, uh, I tried to look for something that maybe I could do to bring a smile to people's faces, and I came up with this notion of doing tailor-made play-by-play specifically for people. So if you have a video... By you, I mean anybody listening to this, uh, <laughs> of your kids' moment in a, a youth sport event or uh, some sort of fun activity in the backyard or your pet doing something interesting. You can post it on Twitter or Facebook. 
just include the hashtag Horde makes the call and then put all four of those words together like it's one long word. Horde makes the call. Every few days I search for those videos. I pick one out. I reach out to the person to get as many details as I possibly can. And then I provide my play-by-play -play soundtrack. So it gives uh, the, the person that sends it in a little bit of a keepsake. Hopefully, hopefully it gives everybody else uh, a chuckle. And that's something that I've enjoyed doing over the past few months. So I'm always looking for new videos. Horde makes the call on Twitter or Facebook. And uh, that's the one thing that I'm happy to plug today. I don't have any kids, but I got a lot of highlight tape from high school I'm going to have to send in to you. Got a lot of chat there. Please do. I'm always yeah. looking for interesting videos. Absolutely. So. Uh, it, it can be something from your own playing days. It could be a trick shot in the backyard. Uh, I've done a wide variety of things, ranging from a young man tying his shoe for the first <laughs> time ever uh, to uh, uh, an infant climbing the stairs for the first time. So we can make uh, something out of just about anything if people want to send it in. Well, Dan, I want to thank you so much for coming on. This was a great uh, birthday gift for me, and it was uh, great talking to you. You just keep doing what you're doing. You make a lot of people smile. Josh, thanks for the kind words. Happy to come on, and best of luck with the podcast. All right, thank you so much, sir. Have a good one. You too. All right, I'll see you later, Dan. Bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye. That was Dan Horde, one of the greatest voices of our generation. Uh, it was great to get him on the podcast. Um, absolutely incredible. Let's keep uh, let's keep it going. Keep growing the brand. Uh, we were the the more we grow, the better. The more and more guests that are highly touted are gonna come on the show. He was a very he's a very highly touted guy. A uh, lot of respect for Dan, and um, we can get more guys exactly like him and and, um, and, and on this show. The more we grow and the more we uh, take notice. So that's again Dan Horde. Uh, go to use his hashtag hashtag Horde makes the call or Dan makes the call. I already forget, but that's okay. Um, Dan is, is again great guy. Uh, really happy that he was able to get on. Uh, next week, I am going to be on the beach uh, starting tomorrow, getting away from it all for a little bit, and then uh, I'll be back on uh, Tuesday, I'll be back on Tuesday, uh, and I will be back Tuesday during the day, but I might not be able to get an episode out, if not, I'll do my best, I'll, I'll get one out, and we'll do uh, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you guys next week after I get back from the booch. I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.